it changes our people when they start praying for their friends and neighbors that are lost. I mean, it, uh, I believe our identity in Christ, we're told in, in, uh, first Corinthians two, five, or second Corinthians two, five, that, uh, we're new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And then in the same breath, Paul says, and we were a minister of reconciliation and an ambassador of Christ. You can't have new creation without an ambassador tied together. And so when our people aren't on mission and, and not just vaguely on mission, like they're giving to the church or they're yeah being somewhere behind a booth, like they have to be actively on mission themselves and, and something lights up inside of them. And the, I think the pathway to get there to get your people to be on mission is to get them to start to pray. You're listening to the City Network Podcast. Our mission is to grow and multiply healthy churches in the Treasure Valley and beyond. Head to thecitynetwork.org for more info on our initiatives to catalyze church transformation and church planting. Here's today's podcast. All right, welcome back to the City Network podcast. I am your host for today, Josh Branham, and I'm joined with our guest, Derek Murphy. How's it going, Derek? I'm doing great, Josh. How are you? Doing really good. Super excited to have you on here. I got to know Derek uh, a little bit through mutual ministry friends, uh, but Derek is the, is it the executive director? That's right, yeah. Okay, executive the, the executive just, director just of recently the, September. Yeah, of the Intermountain Church Planning Association. Uh, so yeah, I've been able to get to know Derek through uh, participating in a church planning assessment with him, and uh, we even have hung out a couple times. And Derek's just a great guy. So super excited. Thanks for being on here. I wanted to just um, start by asking you if you could just share a little bit about your. Uh, ministry journey from, you know, uh, Cliff Notes version called them, you know, called a ministry, but you know, what roles have you, have you served in over the past kind of to this new point as being a executive director of a church planning organization? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> first off, uh, I think for your audience, I'm a, I'm an Idaho boy from Boise, uh, nice. grew, up, grew up on five acres out in Southwest Boise and, uh, yeah, just just love uh, love the, the area and yeah, in ministry, I, I was I was part of a small church uh, there in Southwest Boise. Uh, felt called to ministry as I was graduating high school. Was enrolled and already going to Boise State, but uh, dropped out. Um, yeah, and was involved with uh, went to, went to Boise Bible College actually, and um, yeah, through through the years, I went, I went to seminary in Tennessee. Uh, preached at a little church for three years while I was out there and just realized there's got to be more than what this church experience was. We grew, but it seemed really unhealthy. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, the church I read about the Bible has got to be different. So that's when I got involved in the world of church planting. I went and did a residency with Real Life on the Palouse up in Moscow Pullman area and um, <clears throat> was planning just to be there a year, ended up staying seven and a half helped uh, start two new campuses uh, of real life. We were multi-campus. Those those are now independent churches and um, learned a lot about discipleship, which is what landed me now in Salt Lake City is where I'm at now. And um, I've been here five years and we're launching a new church out of uh, K2 uh, is the church I'm at. And, uh, and so right now, 
I'm planting a church as well as taking over the uh, Intermountain Church Planners as the executive director. So we got a few things on the plate. Yeah, not very busy though. I would imagine no. pretty pretty relaxed. Figure out a Sabbath still, but yeah, 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 for sure. Well, man, there's a lot there. You've got a lot a lot of experience for someone who's not super old. I mean, think about just all those different contexts. Someone who has all those on their resume. I mean, they're you're looking. You know, they've got to be 60, 70 years old. You know, podcast listeners can't can't see you right now if they're just listening in. But um, thirty seven. So you got an idea. Yeah. Thirty seven. Okay, so just imagine people can imagine that. But yep. two things I just want to touch on there. One was uh, just that experience in Tennessee. Um, there's probably a lot of church leaders who have that. Man, I feel like maybe we're experiencing some growth or you know, victories or perceived victories, but I don't feel like we have health. Um, any, anything you would say to someone who feels like they're in a situation like that other, other than just like try to get out of that situation. But, you know, I know a lot of churches are in that place right now in that situation. American churches are experiencing unhealth at really high level. So like any, any wisdom or any thoughts on someone who would say, man, I feel like my, my church is in that spot. What got me through it were two mentors, I'd say. Uh, mm. John Wassum, he was with, uh, he was one of my professors and he was with Stadia. And uh, and then Stephen Edwards, who's, who was the executive director with Intermountain Church Planners, who was my predecessor and still on staff. Both those guys were pouring into me heavily, discipling me and helping me deal with and navigate, you know, all the land pitfalls and landmines and all that sort of thing. So I'd say get somebody in your life who you can talk with and who will help you uh, with your spiritual formation as well. And all that would be the best thing I could say. <laughs> and I'll, I'll pray for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, have it, especially were both of those guys outside of your context. Well, uh, John was in Tennessee at the time. And, uh, <clears throat> and so he was local. Uh, he was not in my church. In your church context. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I think that's huge. I mean, have it. Sometimes you you kind of start to feel crazy a little bit in certain cultures where you're like, I feel like I'm the only one who notices, you know, this thing that's going wrong. Every it's like normal to everyone or whatever. And you're like, yeah. this doesn't seem right. Like you know, this, that, or the other, right? That you know, there's a there's a million different problems we could talk about, but having someone outside that you can just you know ask questions even vent in healthy ways so that you don't end up having that frustration spew over an unhealthy way. And you're part of the problem now, you know, certainly did that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's huge. I think that's so important. Tell me a little bit about, um, yeah, you know, the transition into, uh, involvement in the inner, uh, intermountain church planning association, kind of what, First of all, for people who aren't super familiar with like parachurch organizations, like what does the inter- the ICPA do? And then what was your transition into, you know, now leading it essentially look like? So what, what does it do? And then and how did you get involved and get more involved there? Yeah, I'd say uh, Intermountain Church Planners, <clears throat> first of all, we, we like to think of ourselves. You could you could definitely pin me down on the parachurch thing. But uh, we like to think of ourselves as as a, a network of churches that rather than just some organization outside of the church. Right. 
like to very much try to think of ourselves as inside of the church. <clears throat> All of the, our staff works in other churches and, uh, and we've got a board of people uh, that <clears throat> are all part, part of churches. We're just deciding to work together, uh, not because we're part of a denomination, but just because we want to move the mission forward through church planning. So that's who we are. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I'd say the way I got involved was almost, yeah, Steve, Steve Edwards, he started investing in me when I was young, still in high school. And mm. then I interned for him when I was in Bible college. So I've been involved with ICPA for over 20 years, I'd say. And um, <clears throat> I was on the board of the Intermountain Church Planners Association for 11 years before I was hired by, by them. So I've, uh, I've been engaged a long, long time in that world. Yeah. What would, um, you know, what kind of things do you guys do to help either new church plants or, you know, help churches that are struggling, get healthy? Um, and who would maybe if somebody was listening to this and they're like, huh, I think we could, we could call them <laughs> or I think we should, we should contact them. What kind of, um, church would be in, like a, a good candidate for, you know, to, to get a conversation going about, you know, you guys coming alongside them and helping out. Yeah. So primarily we work with new churches, which, <clears throat> but we do also work with uh, established churches. I'm, I'm doing a discipleship uh, meeting with the church in, in central Idaho uh, in, in uh, kind of some coaching, I guess, and training in February, March, we're, we're still pinning down a date right now. Uh, we're going to be sending one of our staff, part-time staff in Oregon to, uh, get trained up in intentional churches. So they're a church coaching platform, uh, uses church OS and all that. Uh, Mike Whitford will be doing that. So we do some work with established churches, especially those that we planted, but, uh, but yeah, we, we'd love to chat with anybody who's interested in, in learning more. I guess I'll tell you what we do for new churches. So you understand that. And then maybe uh, if other churches want to reach out, that's fine. But um, like I'd say within ours, we, we specialize in the in in some of the things that churches don't tech, typically specialize in. I guess churches do Sunday morning experience and uh, events and and discipleship and and preaching and and all these sorts of things. We we really specialize in helping churches uh, and and networks and decide who would be a good church planner. So we do assessments like you mentioned. Uh, we help church planners do research, uh, demographic studies. We help train them how to be fundraisers because now they're full-time fundraisers as they go out. Uh, we we give them um, materials like send them off to boot camps to learn how to figure out their vision and mission and put that on paper. Um, <clears throat> we help them with temporary leadership uh, before their elders are appointed or or some sort of board. Uh, we will put together management teams from churches regionally that can help help in the leadership. Um, you know, we we pair them with coaches and mentors. You know, obviously we help with funding as well. That's one of the big things that we do for new churches because there's a lot of capital needed to invest. And we've got partner churches that are giving money to us. And then we're helping discern what what church planners we can give to. And then uh, just in the recruiting process, always looking to help recruit new people into areas and, and regions. So that, maybe that's just a summary, I guess, if you want to pin down into any of those, we can we can do that. But that's some of what we do for new churches. Yeah, no, that's huge. So um, I planted Hill City Church through a relaunch. So we were already at campus and we took, just like you had mentioned, those two 
real life campuses that, that you had been a part of are now independent. I did that right with Hill City Church. It was that model, you could say, of church plant. And even then, there was just a ridiculous amount of things that it's like the classic things they don't teach you in Bible college, right? Yeah. And it's like, wait, how do I get a 501c3? Or, you know, just like some of those things. And it's really like a lot of people have that maybe a lot of church planners might have that initial excitement and then all the tasks and the, the, that lead up can kind of almost squash that sometimes where you might meet a church planner who's just planted a church that already burnt out because they're like, they've been just trying to do it alone. And so, yeah, I would encourage anyone who's, who's interested, you know, what, what would be like, where would someone find more information if they wanted to, to reach out and get a conversation going with, uh, the ICPA. Yeah. Intermountainchurchplanners.com is a great place to go get in touch with me or D Murphy at intermountainchurchplanners.com is my email. You can get me. Cool. cool. <clears throat> yeah. We have project, we have connections with project management services as well that help you like get through the process of putting together prayer teams, figure out your 501c yeah. sort of thing. So it's it's really stressful and we want to make sure church planners are in front of people as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What are what would you say, you know, I know you you're always talking to church leaders, um, you know, it's very connected. Are you noticing any trends or things that have shifted in the last few years in uh church plants or church leadership? Kind of just like trends that people might um you know, might not be aware of just you being a little bit more connected with, with some of these circles. <clears throat> yeah. I think one of the ones I, I'll, I'll give some positives and some negatives. Okay. So I'll start yeah. with negatives so we can go to a positive, but the, the, the negative is that I think it's harder for church plans to get off the ground than ever right now, especially after post COVID. Yeah. And, uh, and that's uh, what we're, we're finding is that, you know, actually getting people in general, getting people to show up to church is is really hard as you as, as anybody who's a pastor, I'm sure listening to this can understand. And so getting people to to show up to a brand new church is even even harder. So we're we're seeing that. And uh and so uh we're we're also seeing though that um churches that are well established um and well resourced uh actually are are doing really well. Like um one of our church pl- or we partnered with a church uh, that maybe some of your listeners may know ECC back in 1995, Eagle Christian, <clears throat> and they've got, you know, four campuses and uh, they're growing really well. They've got buildings and staffing and resources. And so they're doing really well, but smaller churches that are trying to get off the ground are, are having a hard time and are struggling. And so, um, you know, we'll see actually really good, um, services put on by churches that are only having 30 to 50 people show up, you know, it's like they've got the coffee and they've got the, you know, the greeting team and they've yeah. got pretty good message and worship and a, a generally good experience when you show up in the door and, and they're not having people show up in the same way that they were before. Uh, used to be that you could just put on a good service and people would show up and that's not necessarily the case anymore. Yeah. So I'd say leading into that smaller churches and new church plants are having to find ways to distinguish themselves differently than just putting on what you would typically think of when it comes to like the, uh, the church growth model type metrics. So um, there's a trend um, moving towards like 
micro church movements right now. Um, <clears throat> I, I was at a church planners summit last year in Estes Park, Colorado, and I was surprised because this is personally where my church plan is going. And one of the reasons why I felt like I could do this by vocationally as the ICPA executive director is that um, I'm doing a network of, of micro churches, not because I think that's the only way you can go, but because that's where I feel like God was calling us. And I thought this was what just God was doing in my heart. And then I showed up and there's all these other church planning movements and younger leaders are demanding this from their church planning organizations that they're working with. And so there's all these people in these established church planning groups trying to figure out how do I do DMM and how do I do these other things? And so we see, I guess, a trend that way right now. Yeah. Yeah, for I guess, sure. I don't know if you have any, anything you want to throw into that, but I've got no. some. Uh, yeah. One, uh, one, another negative is that um, there's a huge leadership shortage right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, something else I, I saw in that group of, of church planning organizations from all over the country is that there were church planning organizations for the first time saying we have more money than we do leaders. And that's not often the case you, within the church. There's, there's, as we know, there's usually shortage of, of funds all the time. And so to say, we've got money to plant churches, but we don't have church planters. Right. That's something that we're seeing. Uh, and I think that's just across the board within church leadership is that we're, we're not seeing people step up into that, that setting. And I'm like, I'm talking with a couple church planning candidates right now. And I just see this even in his, he's, he's trying to figure out which direction he's going to go. If he wants to plant or if he wants to go to a new church, he's in an established role right now. But he's had great offers and we've lost church planning candidates to churches who give good offers. But this guy's just like, I can wait. There's going to be better offers even coming in the future. And you're just like, I haven't seen that before. And I, I just think there's a there's a there's a lack of of good leaders out there right now. And and I think in that um, as a trying to learn from that, I think there's a need and, and we don't have an answer necessarily for this yet. But definitely something to throw out there is there's a need for uh, for training and disciple making when it comes to raising up the next generation of leader, which is something I, I see uh, groups like ours trying to trend towards like um, Steve Edwards, who's who, who I've taken over for. He's been trying to develop young leaders for the last five years. He started uh, grabbing young guys who were still in college, but then um, investing in them, discipling them, discipling them, meeting with them weekly, still meeting with them over Zoom while they're out in the ministry. And uh, and trying to see, you know, the, the the core of young leaders continue to rise and for them not to drop out. You know, I think it's easy to get discouraged and drop out early. And uh, and I we're seeing that people who have one of those mentors, somebody investing in them over the long haul, stick it out. And so we're hoping for some of that. Yeah, that's been I mean, honestly, our our puzzle, right, is we've our churches. Um, has grown numerically, spiritually. We've grown. We've grown in those ways, and we want to plant. And we've kind of looked and looked, and it's like the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It just is really kind of the epitome of where we're at. Is we just like, you know. And so there, there's that idea of you know you can't microwave a church planner. You have to really disciple leadership into into people over time. And it's, it's kind of like, what's the answer? It's like, that's the answer, but it's not an easy, it's not an easy answer. It's not a quick answer. So, yeah. I mean, is, is there anything else you would say, you know, other than just that, that, you know, 
pouring into the young, younger, younger leaders, people with potential, anything that we can be doing as churches so that there wouldn't be this, you know, generational gap of, you know, it, it only takes, you know, a few short years where less and less people are, are saying yes to God's call before you look around. It's like, where have all, where have all of God's leaders gone? Yeah. Well, I would say the one thing to local church pastors to think about is to realize you probably already have a few of these people in your midst and you may not see it. And because I've, I've been doing more traveling and, and visiting churches and I see people with the potential at every church. Right. And um, and the, the the funny thing is, is that the, the local church doesn't see it because they're thinking very myopically about right. on my church service. So that person only fits within the, you know, the structure that's in front of them. And so you got to think bigger than just your own church in order to start to develop these people for the future of the church. And so that you don't they don't have to go to Bible college or seminary. Um, you can start developing developing them in house now and and start speaking those words to say, hey, I think you can do what I do, and uh, and then you know maybe start meeting with them regularly. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. <laughs> I think it's you know it's it's kind of like we can't see the was it the forest through the trees or, yeah. but I think I think it's it sometimes is really helpful to have an outside person be like that person's like very legit and. <laughs> You're like, what? No, they're lame. You know, it's like you, you don't notice what you have, you know, kind of type thing till it's gone. Um, one, of the, one of the other things I think is so huge and that I always really appreciate about you and the ICPA culture as well is, you know, we can always pray. And um, I just wanted to, yeah, just hear a little bit about, and I know you have uh, a big prayer initiative mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, if you could share a little bit about that, but just the importance of prayer, I think not only have we seen maybe an absence in passing the baton, so to speak, from one generation of, of pastors to the next, unfortunately, they're, they're, not every pastor is like Steve Edwards, who is just like hungry for mentoring younger people. There's been kind of, you know, lack of transition plans for you know, pastors who kind of retire out of nowhere with no real... Uh, plan there but there's also i think in some ways maybe uh an absence in pray prayer maybe not holistically but in praying specifically for this idea of praying for for the lost to be found mm-hmm. praying for workers for the harvest uh, i just notice sometimes our prayers get really focused on help us meet our budget help our, our own church services not to be so small after COVID. Like the prayers are very easily turned inward as opposed to outward towards the mission. And I know you have uh, a huge heart for prayer, but specifically that kind of like missional based prayer. So I, I was hoping you could share a little bit about this big prayer initiative that, that, you know, you're going after, but also just uh, how church leaders can, uh, can build a culture of that. Yeah, that, that's great. I thanks for leading the way in that. I <clears throat> I was listening to one of my um, African friends who who uh, has just uh, an amazing prayer life talk about this recently, and uh, she said that 
when you pray just for yourself, your prayer life is pretty stale and boring. <laughs> and uh, and so what what praying for the mission does is actually focuses our our eyes beyond ourselves and our own needs immediately, and it and it ends up doing something to change us. And I think the reason why we pray for the mission is because we you know this is from david garrison our our vision exceeds our abilities and mm. and so <clears throat> i think it starts to, to really have a, a a passion to pray it starts with having a big vision and you know we started as a as a group so 20 years ago we we started praying over utah um steve edwards started leading prayer teams down into the salt lake area bringing people from other parts of the country to come pray and at that time, we saw five churches start out of a prayer initiative, a multi-year prayer initiative in, in Utah. And that doesn't sound like much, but for a group like us, I mean, it was big, especially 20 years ago. And and we we are realizing that some of what happened then was more significant than what we realized. And there wasn't church plants happening in that segment of time in, in Utah. And what it did is it not only springboard five churches for us and our group specifically, but it, uh, it started, uh, an initiative of church planning here that, uh, for a time there was, there was no church planners between year four and year eight. And there's a group that's like the city network down here in Salt Lake city called loving Utah. And, uh, they, they, uh, they were looking now today, there's a group of 24 pastors that are, that are new planters between year four and eight. And so you're going, wow, like this, this is like a, a legacy that's led up to something really special in this valley. And uh, and so we're wanting to see um, a sort of revival take place, especially in this time, because as we look at some of the issues I was bringing up in the trends is there's leadership shortage. We're in a very trying time. Um, we don't actually have a model um, moving forward in church planning that's just the the golden ticket you know i guess you could say we the the church growth model is becoming less and less effective every year it feels like and so uh, it feels like the only answer is prayer and we've we've got a big vision of seeing a hundred thousand souls come to christ in the next 10 years and then i started to do some demographic research on our area in the intermountain west and idaho and utah especially there's going to be a million new people that move in. And I went, oh man, I hope there's more people who are thinking big <laughs> as well. Like we need, we need more people praying and we need more than a hundred thousand people prayed for if we're even going to see a hundred thousand reached. And so we thought where we got to start is we got to start with prayer because <clears throat> it's overwhelming to start to think about how you break down the systems to get to a hundred thousand souls reached through church planting and the money it's going to take and the leadership it's going to take. And so this year, well, starting in 2023, we just were like, we want to see 100,000 souls actually prayed for individual faces. Uh, and so we're asking churches to actually encourage their people to pray for 10 of their friends um, that don't know Jesus. And we're calling it people of the prize because people are God's most prized creation. He loves them so much. And then and then Paul says in in uh in First Thessalonians 2:19, uh, for what is my joy, my hope, and my crown that I'm in a glory in the presence of Jesus Christ. And he says, Is it not you? My crown, my gold medal, it's it's people, it's it's this church, it's it's people actually knowing Jesus. And so 
Uh, we just want to lift up. I think part of what we do as a group is that we can help unite churches around the mission. And I think that's a beautiful thing that the city network does as well. And, uh, and so when we get together around the mission, I think God honors that and we see him work in, in, in beautiful ways, but it, it doesn't just happen when we as pastors like pray. <laughs> I think it's easy to be like, okay, let's Josh, we're going to get together and we're going to pray for a hundred thousand. Like we, we actually got to mobilize our people to pray. Yeah. And, uh, and I think this is where you were talking about how, the baton maybe hasn't been um, passed along. And, and uh, I, I was reading, I, we, I shared this at your church, but I was reading in first Samuel and I'm just finishing the book now, but um, chapter three, uh, Samuel is, <clears throat> is hearing from God for the first time. And he doesn't know, he thinks it's Eli. Right. And it says at the beginning of that chapter, the word of the Lord was rare in that time. And I think one of the things that prayer does is it doesn't just co-opt God to do what we ask for, but it aligns us with God's heart. Because when we spend time in prayer, we start hearing the voice of God and it changes yeah. us and it aligns us. And, and, and not only does it align us uh, with God, it aligns us with one another. Um, right. There's a guy down here in, in Utah County named Logan Wolf. And uh, it's so funny. Like we've both been praying. We've both been seeing that he's, he's had actually 90, eight people baptized in the last year just by mobilizing his people to, uh, to actually evangelize. And, uh, yeah. and he's a part of a small church, a small network of house churches actually. And, uh, and it, we, we've been dreaming the same things because we're both praying and God's putting them on our heart. Literally I put together a, a sermon series uh, that we're going to be giving out to churches who are interested in this and I sat in one of his classes at the last Loving Utah Summit we had in October, and he taught the exact same thing that we're putting together. And I'm just like, this is how God works. Like he aligns us as the body of Christ when we start doing that and we start praying and we start engaging with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I love that idea. I got a lot of churches are dealing with division, right? I mean, the next uh, presidential election is not that far away. And we're going to see, you know, those divisions in, in our, in our churches. And I think, man, it, not to sidestep the issue of like divisiveness, but getting everyone moving the same direction, seeking first the kingdom is ultimately going to be the best strategy for, because we realize how sometimes petty some of the divisions that, um, you know, people leave churches over this, that, or the other, right? So, some things more serious than others, obviously. But man, if we could see a return to prayer and a heart for the lost, compassion, right? That's what Jesus feels when he sees the lost. He feels compassion. And I think that's so huge, you know. So I would just, you know, encourage any church leader, um, just like be praying, obviously. I mean, that sounds very small. Like, hey, you lead. if you're leading at a church, you should be praying. But we've got to help others catch that culture as well. And the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. It needs to be taught. It needs to be, and taught not just in a sermon. We're going to do a series sermon series on prayer. Okay, I taught everyone. It's like, we need to teach our churches to pray like we teach our children to pray, which is to pray with them and 
let them pray with us and, you know, just spend time doing it. And uh, so yeah. I would just, don't yeah. Be, uh, don't be scared to say the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I think we are always under the pressure to say something new <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and to say the same old thing and to do it consistently over a long period of time is going to be key as we uh, try to do this. I, I, it can't change it changes our people when they start praying for their friends and neighbors that are lost. I mean, it, uh, I believe our identity in Christ we're told in, in, uh, first Corinthians two, five or second Corinthians two, five, that, uh, we're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And then in the same breath, Paul says, and we were a minister of reconciliation and an ambassador of Christ. You can't have, new creation without an ambassador tied together. And so when our people aren't on mission and, and not just vaguely on mission, like they're giving to the church or they're yeah. being somewhere behind a booth, like they have to be actively on mission themselves and, and something lights up inside of them. And the, I think the pathway to get there to get your people to be on mission is to get them to start to pray because you can't pray for somebody for a year straight and God not do something inside of you. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just, it changes you. And then not only that is if we're going to say prayer is powerful when we do it, it, we also have to say that prayer, we we lose some power when we don't pray. And, um, and I don't know, there's this cool, uh, there's a guy down here in Utah named Robert Marshall. I stole this from, but in revelation chapter eight, verse five, um, the prayers of God's people are, are talked about like they're incense and the, right. the incense coming into heaven and they, they get collected in this, this sensor. And, and then, and then God puts those up on like a shelf for a while, but then he takes them down. It's revelation eight, five, actually an angel takes those down angel of the Lord. And he fills those, those sensors full of incense with fire from heaven and then throws them back down to earth. And there's, there's, thunder and there's lightning and there's earthquakes and it's like we we are in a time that needs a little bit of a shaking right we need uh the earth to shake a little bit and yeah i i think people we we need to remember that our prayers are effective even if we don't see immediate return on investment they might be sitting on a shelf somewhere and god's getting ready to put some fire and some uh and, and some power from heaven and throw them back down to the earth and so um yeah i think prayers we don't do it often because we don't see it work, but doesn't mean it isn't going to work. And uh, uh, we have to have faith in that. God's God's at work. Yeah. I, and I think to that point, it's like, are we willing to still pray for revival and renewal if we die before we get to see it? Do we still believe that it's worth investing in and discipling, discipling beyond our own churches lifespan? You know, I'm in the, I'm in a church that's 111 years old. It's a little bit older than I am, right? <laughs> no, it's it's just like generations ago, these yep. bricks were laid by faithful men and women. And are we willing to disciple people like that to uh, see a harvest, like to for them to participate in a harvest that we never get to see? Are we willing to pray prayers? And we're going to pray big prayers in our, would we see those things in our time? But even if we don't, you know, it's like one of those, like 
Will we have the faith? The Hebrews 11, those who welcomed the promises of God from a distance. Yeah. And we're going to live our whole lives being faithful. So uh, as we wrap up, I want to ask you just, just kind of one more question. If you were to give an encouragement or a challenge, you know, to anyone listening to this podcast, we've got a lot of church leaders, people interested in multiplication, discipleship, all those kind of things. Um, what, what would be kind of the message that you would want to leave them with? Well, I stole this from uh, uh, this cultural moment. Um, personal renewal leads to corporate renewal. And, uh, and so I would, I would say, try yourself going on prayer walks for one week, go one mile a day and see if you don't end up changed. Like mm. the middle of the day when it's not convenient and you don't have the time and there's always something to do, get out of your chair, go walk around your neighborhood, pray over the names of the people in your neighborhood, pray over the leaders in your church, pray over uh, whatever comes to your mind, ask God questions while you're out there and see what happens. Uh, watch, pray, see what happens. That's what I'd say. And know that you're not, not alone in this. Like um, I, so one of the things I've been realizing is that, um, you know, we, we have all these denominations and tribes and we're part of a non-denominational network of churches. And I'm like, man, I wish we could be more united and connected. Um, and so we went ahead and started another website that's not Intermount Church Planners. It's just called peopleoverthepriz.org. And if you want to just be connected with other churches who just want to pray for pe people who are lost, like we'd love to be connected with you just through prayer and, and around the mission of God. So you can go and check us out there too. Awesome. Super great having you on the podcast. Thanks a ton, Derek. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. Thanks for listening to the City Network Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, join the discussion on our Facebook group at thecitynetwork.org slash group. Or sign up at the website to subscribe to updates from our blog and podcast.